4: Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the Mm -hmm. infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya Yoga is a wider system, including philosophy and practice, for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today our topic is Breathe Easy with Pranayama, and I am joined by Amy Wheeler, Ph.D., who is a professor of kinesiology at California State University, San Bernardino, and is on the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. Over the last 25 years, Amy's life purpose has been to educate people in yoga, psychology, and wellness. Amy has studied yoga and yoga therapy in India, Europe, and the United States. During the past 15 years, Amy studied extensively in the T. Krishnamacharya tradition. Amy has been certified as a yoga teacher, yoga teacher trainer, and yoga therapist in this tradition. Prior to this, Amy completed teacher training certifications in several internationally popular styles of yoga and yoga therapy. Amy teaches yoga therapy at the Loyola Marymount University Yoga Therapy Program and is on the LMU faculty offering one of the first master's degree programs in yoga in the United States. Amy is also active in yoga therapy research pertaining to metabolic syndrome, kidney dialysis, colon and rectal cancer, and ovarian and uterine cancer. And her website is amywheeler.com. <clears throat> Welcome, Amy Wheeler. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour.
5: Hi, Laurel. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: That's
4: great. Before we begin to enter into our dialogue about how to breathe easy with pranayama, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Let's open our hearts and our minds to the divine. One reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present, as you, as me, as everyone, within us, around us and between us. In this moment, we simply let our attention drop from our heads down into our hearts. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow. Not trying to change it, just noticing. As we inhale, and exhale cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out we notice thoughts and feelings arising and passing away we become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts Beyond all change, beyond thought and sensation, pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace, emanating from the essence of our being, pervades the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere.
2: Aum.
4: Today, as part of our series on the journey of self discovery, we are exploring how to breathe easy with pranayama with our guest, Amy Wheeler. I think it's wonderful to remember that the word inspire comes from the Latin to breathe into linking our inspiration with our breath. Amy, the Sanskrit word, prana, refers to life energy. It's also linked to the breath. Of course, humans don't have life energy for long without breathing, yet prana refers to something broader than this. From a yoga perspective, what is prana, and how is this tied to
5: breathing? Good morning, Laurel and friends. You know, the word prana from the Sanskrit language, actually has many meanings. And depending on the context that we see it in, it could mean life force. It could mean that which brings lightness everywhere, uh, all throughout your body. Um, And it actually could mean to breathe also. But I think the question you're asking is, you know, what is prana? and, And maybe even how is it tied to breathing? And I would say that prana we can receive in many ways. We can receive prana from sunshine, uh, from the food that we eat. If it's, you know, whole, healthy, non-processed foods, we can receive prana from spiritual nourishment or heart-to-heart connection in relationships. We can also get prana from water. Um, But today we're talking about how are we going to get prana from pranayama or conscious breathing techniques. So to answer your question, there's many ways that we can receive prana into our body, mind, and spirit but today's topic is one of those areas and, and how can we most effectively do that through pranayama?
4: Well that's perfect and you've even you know touched on my next question which is, so what is pranayama?
5: Yeah, uh, pranayama is this idea that we're going to extend the prana, prana, and then ayama. Ayama means to extend. So we're going to extend the prana throughout the entire body. And we know that that has happened when you have a feeling of lightness, when your body feels very light and expansive. um, This is when you know that you've actually extended the prana throughout the entire human system.
4: Great. Great. So, um, as you know, pranayama is one of the eight limbs of yoga outlined in the classic text, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Uh, The word yoga means oneness or union, a bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature. So what role does pranayama play in yoga?
5: That's such a great question. You know, I think the way that Patanjali, who was outlining this thing called Raja Yoga, which is considered the highest or the king of all yogas, that's what Raja means, he was actually using uh, pranayama techniques in Chapter 2 of his uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras as a way of cleansing the mind and as a way of focusing the mind in preparation for meditation. So the the way that Patanjali looks at it is a little bit different than maybe a a text like Hatha Yoga Pradipika, which is more of a Hatha Yoga text based on yoga postures or asanas and pranayama, where they might use pranayama more as a cleansing technique for the body and the mind. So today I'd like to talk more about the Patanjali view of using it as a, a way to really clean up the mind and and bring focus to the mind so that as we enter into meditation, we can actually go quite deeply because we know that the doorway through which we enter meditation actually determines how deeply we go. And if we enter into meditation from a very agitated state or a lethargic state, probably that's the trajectory of the meditation. But if we can enter into our meditation... From a place of peace and what we call sattva, a very balanced and harmonious feeling, uh, then the meditation will go in that direction. And it is pranayama that helps us to clean our mind so that we enter into our meditation from the doorway of peace and harmony and and sattva.
4: Ah, such a lovely, such a lovely description. So, um, one of the things that um, yoga really you know, focuses on is staying in the present moment. And for you know many people, the breath is a great tool for that. So how does our breath help us stay in the present moment?
5: You know, this is one of my favorite questions about Pranayama. and the way I like to think of it is that from the moment we are born and we take our first breath without the support of our mother, until the very last moments when our breath finally leaves us. This is our life, and this is a time where we can experience ourselves in this human human body, human system. And so, for me, there's nothing more intimate intimate than the connection with your deeper self that you can get through pranayama or conscious breathing. And... It's so easy. You can be lying in a hospital bed. You can be sitting at a stoplight. You can be about to give a presentation, and you can just stop for a moment and feel your breath entering your body, expanding you from the inside out, feel the the breath coming in through the tips of your nostrils, and then, of course, leaving the body as you exhale. And for me and most of the students that I teach, that's such an intimate Moment with yourself to really tune in and feel and be in the present moment. And I don't know of any other tool that we actually can just do anytime we want in the middle of the night, um, you know, whenever we're, we're suffering or feeling agitated or emotional or upset, um, there's nothing more powerful than just stopping, closing your eyes, feeling the breath enter into your body. And, and allowing that to bring you into the present moment. Right.
4: Now, I think it's so interesting. <clears throat> breathing itself is so interesting because obviously it happens whether we think about it or not. You know, there's an automaticity, you know, to our breathing. Obviously, for, you know, if we, if we only breathe, breathed when we thought about it, we would probably be in trouble because there are many things that we do where we're not really focusing on our breathing. And yet it is something that's always with us you know, no matter where we are, and we can turn our consciousness to it, and it can really help us, you know, to stay in the present moment. So you've touched you. on this a little bit before, but what's the association between our state of mind and our breath?
5: You know, this is the the question that Patanjali is, <clears throat> excuse me, answering for us, and, um, you know, our minds are often very externally focused. We're We're thinking about who we need to talk to, what we need to get done, where we'd like to shop, what kinds of foods we'd like to eat. And so the senses are directed outward in our world for us to function, and that's a good thing. However, during pranayama, we really want, and and meditation, we really want the senses to be directed inward. And if, if... our listeners know a little bit about the eight limbs of yoga that are outlined by Patanjali in the second chapter of the Yoga Sutras, we know that there's something between pranayama and dharana, which is the first stage of meditation. And that thing in between is called pratyahara. And pratyahara means opposite food. Pratyahara means opposite, ahara means food. So pratyahara means the mind is going to give the senses a new food. Instead of shopping and cheesecake and, uh, you know, work and all of the things that our senses go out towards, instead we get a new food, we come inward. And so when Pratyahara takes us inward, now we can go into meditation. And so that's really the association between the state of mind and our, our ability to do pranayama. Hmm.
4: So I've been struck by the power of pranayama to improve our health, although it can seem such a simple intervention. Um, The link between our nervous system and our breath really make it powerful. So what are some of the proven health benefits of pranayama?
5: You know, it's almost embarrassing to talk about how many benefits there are and, and still know how many people are not doing this. So. Um, there is study after study that you can look at, and there are well-done studies that say that the benefits of pranayama can lower blood pressure, lower pulse rate, uh, lower your respiratory rate, increase um, parasympathetic activity parasympathetic activity in your nervous system, which is the, the relaxation response. Um, it can improve sleep. Uh, we know that it can improve quality of life. We've seen that pranayama can improve test performance and memory and focus, um, reduces anxiety and depression simultaneously, and gives us more positive emotions and moods. And, you know, I could get specifically into which diseases or pathologies, but those are the general benefits. And and for that, I think we should all be doing pranayama regularly.
4: That's, that's great. And I think it's a, it's a nice opportunity for us to, you know, to move to the break. And when we come back, we're going to, you know, pick up this topic again. So you're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Amy Wheeler, PhD, who is a professor of kinesiology at California State University San Bernardino and is on the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. You can learn more about Amy and her teaching schedule at the website amywheeler.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. When we come back from the break, we'll explore steadiness and ease in pranayama. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever.
3: What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet?
1: Within you is a divine spark. As you feed your mind, body, and spirit with inspiration, the spark becomes a flame. Unity Online Radio provides the fuel to ignite your passion, creativity, and more during our special Ignite Your Life series. Tune into the series at unityonlineradio.org ignite. Connect with your source and ignite your life. That's unityonlineradio.org ignite.
3: Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome
4: back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Amy Wheeler, PhD, Professor of Kinesiology a yoga therapy teacher, researcher, and board member for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. Today we're discussing Breathe Easy with Pranayama. Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, indicates that the formal practice of pranayama usually involves regulation of breathing rhythms to harmonize flows of life force and calm the mind as preparation for meditation practice. So, Amy, many people get introduced to pranayama during a yoga class when we are encouraged to notice our breathing patterns as we do postures or asana. Patanjali's Yoga Sutras describes asanas as needing to be both smooth and uh, steady, which is described as Sanskrit word as sthira, as well as easy and comfortable, or sukkam. So, how do these qualities of steadiness and ease apply to our breathing when we do yoga postures?
5: I think that's such a great question. Um, it really highlights how yoga is different from other uh, other forms of body mind. Um, I don't want to say exercises because I don't really feel it should be an exercise. It should be a moving meditation. But these qualities of being very steady but still being comfortable, Patanjali in Yoga Sutra 246, he really says you have to have both of these simultaneously. You can't just have comfort and ease and lazily be rolling around on the floor. And you can't have only sira, which is, you know, really hard. You're working so hard. You're sweating. Your heart rate is going up. He's saying, uh, which is, hey, let's have both of these simultaneously during your asana practice. And so, you know, what does that feel like? For me, that feels like I am moving and breathing so slowly, and I'm timing my breath and my movement perfectly as one like I said, moving meditation. And in this way I have the spiram, I have the the focus and the attention and the alertness of my mind paying attention to what I'm doing. But I also have this ease in my body. And when I do that, I get that feeling of lightness that I had talked about at the very beginning, that when you actually do pranayama in a very functional and efficient and uh, mindful way, Um, you're going to feel a lightness in your body that extends throughout your whole system, body, mind, and spirit.
4: Yeah, that's such a lovely description. And and I think one of the things that, again, people really experience when they take a yoga class is is they might hold a a posture as it becomes, you know, uncomfortable a bit. Um, Perhaps, you know, you're, um, you know, muscles are working and, you know, you're beginning to, you know, maybe sweat a little bit, but trying to keep that, you know, that steadiness, both the steadiness and ease, you know, in the breathing, I think people will have an experience of that, you know, as as something that really regularly happens in a a yoga class. So... um, As we've talked about, um, it's important that we don't strain, and particularly while we're doing pranayama. So what should we do if we begin to feel that we are straining while practicing pranayama?
5: Yeah, you know, the the first word of Yoga Sutra 247 is prayatna, which means appropriate effort, the right effort, Mm -hmm. intelligent Mm -hmm. effort. And this is really what we're looking for. We're not... Um, wanting people to push, push, push. Uh, Yoga is not something that more pain, more gain type of thing. Um, I would say, you know, according to the the guidelines similar to Ayurveda, that if you're going at 60% of your maximum, that is the place where the prana is actually going to flow through your system with ease uh, and efficiency. So in the Western mind, we're so used to pushing through an asana class Um, like a workout, like a kickboxing class or a jogging class or something. But really what we want is back off a little bit and allow more spaciousness within your body, mind, and spirit for the prana to be able to enter. After all, that's why we're doing the breathing in the first place. And so a lot of my students, I actually have to tell them, slow down, back off, don't go right up to your, your maximum be in a place where you can actually take a really full and complete breath, long and smooth. The Yoga Sutras say pranayama is dhirga-shukshma, long and smooth. And so if we can't take a long, slow, smooth breath while doing our asana, we're probably not, we're we're working too hard. We're not using appropriate effort.
4: So as we turn to talking about, we've been talking a lot about uh, pranayama associated or breathing associated with our asana practice. But really when we talk about pranayama, this is separate, you know, breathing, um, I hate to say exercises, but that is the feeling of them, you know, where there's certain, um, you know, pranayama practices that we do that are separate, you know, from when we're moving our body. Now, they could happen, and sometimes I, you know, I I have gone to yoga classes where they do have a period of pranayama at the beginning or at the end, you know, of the asana practice. Um, So, um, Amy? Yes, I'm Uh, here. Oh, good. So... What are some? Um, although you know pranayama in general is safe for, for you know just about everybody, there are some contraindications to practicing pranayama. Yeah. So you know, what, what might those be?
5: Um, in my yoga therapy practice, the, the times that I'm really careful with giving any kind of regulation of breath are when someone has like an extreme mental illness, maybe bipolar or schizophrenia, something like this, their system is already kind of destabilized and it's probably not advisable to, um, you know, have them do a bunch of pranayama, especially if it's not supervised. You know, you should always have a qualified teacher that can help you know what is okay, what is not okay. Um, Another instance where there might be a contraindication would be during pregnancy. There's certain... uh, pranayamas that we do during pregnancy, uh, some that are very cool and moistening. Uh, One of them is called Shi-Tali. Um, But for the most part, we don't want to take a woman who's previously not been doing pranayama and suddenly have her do that during pregnancy. It just may disturb her system if she's not used to it. Um, Another thing would be the wrong type of pranayama for a particular illness. So um, some illnesses need you to calm down, like heart disease and diabetes and rheumatoid arthritis and chronic pain. So we would use long exhalation techniques. And then there are other types of diseases that we need to focus on an inhale or a little hold after inhale. So take a big breath in and hold at the top. And that might be um, if we're working with chronic obstructive lung disease or asthma So doing the wrong kind of pranayama for the the illness or pathology, that could get us into some trouble. And then sometimes too much pranayama. You know, some people do, um, you know, thousands and thousands of breaths of certain pranayamas, and that actually can disturb the system. We're trying to bring our minds to a quiet place, not um, do so much that it actually disturbs us or gives us a headache or something. So those
4: would be my main uh, content. On... Oh, thank you. That was a really good overview. So you've touched on this just a little bit, but um, I wanted to, to maybe exp- have you expand on this. Although it, it is possible to learn pranayama from a book, and there are lots of books and you know websites out there that describe various pranayama practices, what are the benefits to working with a teacher as we learn pranayama?
5: You know, I think... From my personal experience, the the benefit is knowing when something called prana prakopa happens. And prana prakopa means the prana has gotten angry. That's what prakopa means. So um, when you do incorrect pranayama or too much of it or the wrong type, um, things can happen that cause your nervous system to get a little bit shaky and you would actually maybe even see a trembling in the hands. Um, You could have menstrual problems. You could have digestive problems. Um, you could have your eye would start twitching, or your skin all over your body would get very dry. You could actually aggravate an arthritic condition. Um, there's even been cases where people have found that they are experiencing infertility, um, sleeplessness, um, all sorts of uh, things. Feeling really flighty and kind of scattered. That could be another effect. So. The the nice thing about having a teacher to help you is they can um, help you determine what the correct pranayama is for you, how much you should be doing, what time of day you should be doing it, what types of things you should watch out for if you end up with angry prana and then we need to back off or change the direction. Um, and also they can help you figure out what are the precursors that will help you have the best pranayama practice. And the biggest one I can think of there is making sure that you have a very clean diet. So, um, you know, ideally we would love to not have very many processed foods, uh, less caffeine, less sugar, white flour, eat more whole grains, fruits, vegetables, lean proteins. A really clean diet is going to actually make your pranayama go much better, and a, a teacher can help you clean that up.
4: Indeed. And I uh, think you've touched on how, you know, as we deepen our yoga practice and get more involved, we realize that, you know, how we live our life can't be separate, really, from our yoga practice, that everything that we do affects how we practice yoga, how we practice our, you know, pranayama. Certainly meditation, you know, is, is quite affected by the things that you've mentioned, you know, by diet. Um, so, and that's a great, a great connection.
5: I just wanted to to say that I had recently heard that the Dalai Lama um, stopped eating his last meal of the day uh, or lessened it considerably so that his pranayama and meditation practice would go well at night. And I thought that was a a nice Mm -hmm. example.
4: Yeah. So one of the easiest pranayama practices to do is to prolong the exhalation, which usually makes us feel calmer. This is something that happens naturally when we take a sigh. And as we've mentioned, one really should not strain when trying this practice. So can you describe what I'm talking about by prolonging the exhalation?
5: Sure. This is one of my favorite uh, techniques. I do it at the end of almost every yoga class that I teach during Shavasana while people are lying down and relaxing. And I just say... Breathing in and out through your nose, if possible, um, take a free inhalation, and then on the exhalation, allow the breath to leave your body in maybe three counts or three seconds, and then inhale freely, and then exhale for four seconds, and then inhale freely, and then exhale for five seconds, and we just keep working with that. And some people can get to an 8 or a 9 or a 10-count exhalation, which makes them feel very calm and relaxed. And then other people um, can go all the way up to 20 or 25. It's really amazing when you just add one second to the exhalation phase of the breath, how long and smooth you can really get it to be.
4: So how does that process of lengthening the exhalation work to help us feel calmer?
5: You know, it's very interesting because um, researchers are are having trouble figuring this out. There are measures for sympathetic activity in the nervous system. When you get the fight-or-flight response, we can measure that. But the measures for the parasympathetic or the relaxation response type uh, in your nervous system, there aren't actual markers. We can only measure it indirectly. So we have a lot of indirect measures of that, we We know that it um, the long exhalation uh, decreases inflammation, it lowers blood pressure. Uh, we have uh, you know accounts many, many, many that it reduces chronic pain, um, that people feel more quiet and calm, less anxiety, less insomnia. So we can't actually prove a direct link that the long exhale um, is is connecting to the parasympathetic nervous system and the relaxation response. But it's very clear to all of us that that's what's happening.
4: Right. And, and I think everyone is familiar with the, with the kind of flip side of the relaxation response, which is the stress response or the fight or flight response. And, you know, probably most people are also familiar with, you know, when we do feel um, that relaxation, you know, kick in, which has been, amply described now and can be accessed by many different ways, you know, meditation, prayer, that sort of thing. But I think it's really interesting to note that here's this simple thing that we can do of prolonging the exhale that can just have these really powerful effects.
5: I am so excited about um, the, the research that's going on in medicine to show this. I really feel that if we all just learn long exhale breathing and did it you know, five minutes, three times a day, that all of our health would improve significantly. It's a really, really powerful technique.
0: Hmm.
4: So turning to a different uh, pranayama, alternate nostril breathing, uh, which is a form of pranayama that balances the body and is a helpful uh, preparation for meditation. So from a, a yogic perspective, how does this alternate nostril breathing work?
5: Again, we don't, No, 100%, but uh, a lot of the latest research is showing that when you breathe through the left nostril, it actually affects the right brain, and vice versa. When you breathe through the right nostril, it affects the left brain. And so alternate nostril breathing, for for some of our listeners who may not be 100% familiar with it, means that you exhale through the left nostril only and then inhale through the left nostril only, and then you switch sides and you exhale through the right nostril only and inhale through the right nostril only. And that's considered one round. And so you would just keep alternating left, right, left, right. And we can show that this does have a very, very balancing effect on both right and left brain. And then also it really does prepare you for, for meditation. It, it really makes your mind more alert, more focused, and more ready to enter in through the door of meditation that I spoke of earlier, which is you enter in from sattva, a calm, clear, alert place, and then that makes your meditation much deeper, much uh, more peaceful than if you enter in from a place of agitation or being lethargic.
4: I think that's so interesting that to you know hear that you know, Western science is able to confirm this impact again of a simple practice of you know first breathing in you know in and out one side or and then the other side and from a yogic perspective you know, there are energy channels you know in the body and there's a main energy channel of one on the right and one on the left in addition to the to the uh, central channel that you know goes up the spinal cord and that the um, ends of those uh, right and left pathways do end uh, near the nose. And so from a yogic perspective, from a yoga philosophy, which, of course, we don't have a way of, men- men- of uh, measuring this, you know, from a Western medical perspective, but that explains why, you know, that, that then uh, doing something where you alternate breathing with your nostril each, you know, the different sides, um, has the impact of balancing then, you know, the right and the left. But isn't it fascinating to see that we're actually then being able to prove from a Western medical perspective some of that, some of the impact?
5: It's just a really exciting time in history, I think, yes. Things that these yogis have known for 2,500 years or more, uh, and now we're, we're starting to understand why it works. We knew it worked, but to have... Western Medical help us prove it so that it's not just anecdotal evidence. Um, It's really exciting.
4: And with that, I'm going to move to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. Today's guest is Amy Wheeler, Ph.D., who is a professor of kinesiology at California State University, San Bernardino, and is on the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. You can learn more about Amy and her teaching schedule at the website amywheeler.com. The uh, International Association of Yoga Therapists has an annual conference called the Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research, and that's coming up soon. It's going to be held June 4th to 7th in Newport Beach, California. You can register for the symposium at the website iayt.org. Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, who's the founder and the regular host of the Yoga Hour, will be a keynote speaker at that conference. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We'll be right back to explore more about pranayama and yoga therapy.
1: Have you seen Unity Magazine lately? There's a new editor, a fresh new look. And now, Unity Magazine has gone digital. Print subscribers, you can access Unity Magazine for free from your computer or mobile device. Non-subscribers can buy single digital issues through Google Play, Amazon, and the Apple Store. Sign up at our website and let Unity Magazine become your favorite digital resource for spirituality and inspiration. To learn more, visit unitymagazine.org slash digital.
3: Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour.
4: Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. My guest today is Amy Wheeler, Ph.D., who is a professor of kinesiology at CSU San Bernardino, a yoga therapy teacher, researcher, and board member for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. You can learn more about Amy and her teaching schedule at the website amywheeler.com. So Amy, as I mentioned, you're both a researcher and you've also practiced and taught yoga therapy for many years. Can you describe a clinical case that you have seen where pranayama was particularly beneficial?
5: Yes, you had um, told me that you might ask this question and one particular case, that so was just so heartwarming comes to mind. and of course we can't say this would always happen, but in this case it really worked well. It was a young man who was twenty six years old and he had autism, but he also had many many epileptic seizures per day. and so he was living with his mother who was getting a little older and this was becoming so difficult for her to keep him safe as he had these seizures each day and Of course, it was unpleasant for him, and so we worked with yoga therapy, and we worked to have him do yoga postures that were backbending in nature, where we took big inhalations and held the breath at the top of the inhalation with his arms spread in many different poses, in bridge pose, and warrior pose, but it was always this focus on inhalation with a hold after inhalation. And... He made incredible, incredible progress. Now, yoga therapy is never just a posture or a breathing technique. Um, Some of the other things that we had him do were to take a warm bath at night, um, put some oil on his body. So there were some dietary changes. So I don't want to make it sound like it was only the pranayama that really helped him. But in combination with lifestyle changes, um, getting to bed at a certain time, he really saw a huge change in the number of seizures that he was experiencing. And they went down something like 70%. And so not only was his quality of life improved, obviously, but his mother, it was such a relief to her to not have so many seizures and so many outbursts with the um, autism and um, really, I think, made a big difference in both of their lives. So it was very, very heartwarming to see that happen
4: I think that's a really a, a interesting case that you describe and I think it illustrates how some of these things although they are so simple because we are each whole and we are our, our body our our ourselves are holistic and we have these these inter um, twining aspects of ourselves that we can access. So we've talked about how pranayama is so intimately tied to the, uh, to the nervous system, and that's why it can have these, you know, these uh, great uh, impacts. Although, as you say, not, this was not one thing that helped this young man, but it really was all of these things. And again, just to you know, reiterate, we're not recommending that people necessarily try this at home themselves, but just as an illustration of how powerful pranayama can be
5: yes and and always to know that you can find a yoga therapist, a qualified yoga therapist in your area, they should definitely be guiding this process. This is very different than a general group yoga class. I just want to add that in right. oh
4: so, uh, yeah i think it's I think it's great, and maybe we can um you know we can turn to that you know question so um if there is someone who is interested in seeing a yoga therapist, what advice would you give them?
5: You know, we're as a uh, field, we're just starting to um, demonstrate the standards that we expect for a qualified yoga therapist, and that is about a thousand hours of training 200 as a yoga teacher, plus an additional 800 hours as a yoga therapist, where you learn how to individually apply to one person at a time. It's a one-on-one relationship. Um, how, how can you apply the pranayama, the dietary techniques, the lifestyle changes, um, the different postures you might choose? So it's 800 hours of training after you're a yoga teacher to really learn how to do this individualized yoga therapeutic approach. And so the best place that I know is something you already mentioned was go to the website of the International Association of Yoga Therapists Uh, www.iayt.org and you will see the standards and you will um, be able to see how you could connect with a qualified yoga therapist.
4: Right, and that's also a great resource for someone who's interested in studying yoga therapy because the IAYT is also now
5: certifying training programs, right? Exactly. We're certifying training programs but also in the next six months we're going to be certifying individuals. So there's people out there that have been doing yoga therapy for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, and we're going to actually be certifying individuals as well as uh, accrediting schools. So that's an exciting development also.
4: Indeed. So um, let's turn back because I know that you are a a researcher and have um, spent a significant amount of time on your own yoga therapy research in addition to tracking what's going on in the field. So is there a favorite research study that you have about pranayama, and can you describe it for us?
5: There is, and, you know, it's a very um, personal experience, personal research study because I saw the changes right before my eyes, and that was um, back in, I think, 2007, I was working here at California State University, San Bernardino, and I basically had my college students come in every day at the beginning of their yoga class, and they had to take their pulse um, on their right arm and their left arm, and they had to track the number of beats per minute. So as they were filing in every day, they had their little sheet. They'd each look at the clock, take their pulse, write down their pulse at the beginning for both the right wrist and the left and then we would go through our yoga practice and and they knew yogic theory that it's not like Western exercise physiology where you want to get the target heart rate up. You actually want the pulse to be the same or lower at the end of a yoga class, even though you've done uh, you know down dog up dog plank push up, even though you've done warrior poses, even though you've done some very physically demanding tasks as a young college uh, yogi your pulse stays the same or goes lower. And so we tracked this for an entire quarter, every single class, and it was so wonderful for them to see that their pulse actually went down by about four or five beats per minute between the beginning of the class and the end of the class, and yet they got this fantastic, workout, uh, full of strength and flexibility and balance and and their bodies felt amazing. Like they'd had a workout but yet their minds were so calm and they could see right there in front of them that their own heart rate had come down. And so that was really fun to show them how much control they actually have of their own bodies.
0: Hmm.
4: Yeah. So um, we are coming to the end, although we have maybe uh, two more minutes. So is there, um, can you describe what trends you're seeing in yoga therapy research?
5: Yeah. Um, you know, one trend that I'm not crazy about is the trend of saying this pose will give you this outcome or this breathing technique um, will cause XYZ. And I, I just think that's unrealistic. It's not um, so many of us are so unique and individual, we cannot offer that kind of XYZ prescription. Um, so the, the trends that I'm really interested in seeing and, and are starting to emerge are um, where you come in with a, a protocol that you think is going to work, but the yoga therapist who's in the research study um, can modify as needed for the individuals in the group. And I think that's really an exciting new development. And I think it's the way that Western Medicine is headed, too, that we, we try one anti-anxiety drug, and if it doesn't work for that person, we, we try another brand. And that's very, very similar to yoga therapy, that we have these general principles and theories that we work with, but then we're really willing to modify to meet the individual needs. And so as more of these studies um, start to come out, I think you're really going to see the efficacy of how well yoga therapy really does work.
4: Yes, um, turning really to the individualization of medicine, recognizing that each person is really uh, an individual, which, as you said, is a trend within medicine and also something that has been practiced in yoga for, as you've mentioned, thousands of years. So, um, Amy, it's just been delightful to have you on. Um, You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing Breathe Easy with Pranayama with our guest, Amy Wheeler, Ph.D. You can find out more about Amy and her teaching schedule at her website, amywheeler.com. So thank you, Amy Wheeler, for joining us.
5: Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. I enjoyed it. So join us next week for Yoga
4: is for Everyone, a conversation with Yogacharya O'Brien and yoga therapist Matra Raj. Discover how practices from the yoga tradition can contribute to your vitality and enhance your ability to experience excellence in all aspects of your life. For more information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. CSE's Meru Institute offers a modern way with ancient roots to learn and teach the life-transforming tools of yoga, Ayurveda, and community ministry. Check CSE's website, csecenter.org, for more details about one- and two-year diploma programs. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all that you meet. Bye now.
2: Thank you for tuning into the Yoga
3: Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien.
2: Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom
3: Shepard? Isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy?
2: Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show. And I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary. Topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events.
3: Yeah, but they'll all be unity people, right?
2: Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get
3: explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs)
2: If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa,
3: I got to hear this. When and where?
2: The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it.
3: Definitely let's.